Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2310. Today I'm talking with the king, the king of JDM. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Virginia with a very special guest by the name of Gary Duncan. Gary, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes, sir, and thank you for this opportunity. I appreciate it. You're welcome. We're going to have some fun today. Now, before I give you an introduction and we dive into uh, quite the world that you've created and worked so hard to, to acquire, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Gary? Well, I don't know. I've basically been a car guy. I tell everybody I have a PhD. Papa had a dealership. So <laughs> I grew up in the car business all my life. I got my first franchise when I was uh, 19 and I'm 70 now. So I've done what I love all my life. Well, lucky you. Uh, you figured out the secret sauce to life and it sounds like you, you figured it out at an early age and that's what Cars yeah is all about. Hopefully we're going to inspire some people that they wish they were having as much fun as you and I. I appreciate you being here with me today. Thank you. You're welcome. So let me give an introduction here. Gary Duncan is the founder and owner of Duncan Imports. He's imported over 4,000 right-hand drive vehicles since 2016 and has two locations, one there in Christianburg, Virginia, where we are today, and the other in Smyrna, Tennessee, near Nashville. Many recognize Gary as the king of the Japanese domestic market known as JDM Marketplace. He knew he wanted to be a car dealer when he was a kid, and he used to tell everyone, like he said, that he has a special PhD that stands for Papa has a dealership. I like it. He started in the business washing cars. That's kind of where I started with a detailing business, and later at the age of 19 acquired a Triumph franchise in February of 1972. And today, Gary has been a dealer for over 50 years. He's represented as a dealer for Triumph, MG, Fiat, Honda, Hyundai, Acura, Mitsubishi, Isuzu, Suzuki, BMW, Audi, Lincoln Mercury, Jeep, Pontiac, Oldsmobile, GMC, and Saab. Pretty much all of them. Sir. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. So give them a little love. They keep the petrol in the tanks here, and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. 
For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Gary, we are back. Oh, my. I I think we could talk for hours about your career, your business, and what you've built. But I'd love for you to take us on a little bit of a walkthrough of how you got to where you are today in the JDM marketplace. Because you've got to think in a little way – Time has been in favor for you because now all of a sudden we've got all these millennials and youngsters interested in these cars that used to be kind of just imported. People drove them and left them on the roadside or recycled them or whatever. And now everybody wants them again. So did you have the the great vision for this? Is this just something that occurred over over time? It, it, it kind of a turn, and, and I believe in divine intervention, but it... Uh, it's kind of ironic. A lot of the cars that I sell today, I was once a dealer for, whether it's a Zuzu or a Honda or a Mitsubishi or a Suzuki. And now, I mean, I knew, I knew being a dealer, what a great product they were. And then December of 2015, there was a little ad in Hemings Motor News. And this guy had some Hondas for sale in Virginia, just a little small ad. And I called him up and uh, he was up near Charlottesville and we drove up and met him. And he said, well, by the way, uh, you're going back by my warehouse in Waynesboro, Virginia. I got some more vehicles there I'd like to show you. Well, we get there and there's a Nissan Escargo and a mini truck, fire truck. And they were just so cute. I had to have them. And uh, I think it was December the 12th, I bought my first two, and uh, I swore I'd never own a right-hand drive vehicle. Yeah. And I drove it two hours back, and that's kind of how it started. And then it took off in January of that year. We had acquired a uh, 100,000-square-foot warehouse, and then I started buying, and the guy I was buying from me said, well, you're buying too many. I need to hand you off to the people in Japan. So I ended up in Japan and then that didn't work out. So now I'm with a a company that I've been with since uh, May of 2016. As I said, we bought over, I brought cars in from uh, Australia, Japan and England. And I do not care to bring in any more from Australia and England. One guy described a car, and when I got it, I asked him if they had a Pearl Vision there, and he said, yeah. And I said, well, you need to go get your eyes checked. I'll pay for it, and then you need to go to church because you don't know how to tell the truth. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, I think many of us have have encountered that kind of a salesperson in the past. You know, when I look at your website, there's the variety of things that you have here, and some of them that stood out, which are near and dear to my heart. 1970 Volkswagen Type 3 Squareback Station Wagon. That takes me back to my youth in Southern California because I had several friends who had those as their surf mobiles in the 
70s. You've got old Mazdas. You've got Nissan Nissan XAE Sportback. Like, when was the last time I saw one of those? Never. Uh, so you're saying a lot of these cars that you have, you bring in from outside of the country. And now that they're old enough, do they qualify as classic cars so they can be sold as such? Yes. Uh, 25-year rule through customs pretty much makes helps us bring them in. Yeah. But yeah, and and again, it, again, it's it's cars that we all kind of grew up with in the '80s. Uh, collecting cars is generational, and you know it's so cool. I'm 70 years old, and these kids come into the warehouse, and they're 12, and they're 16, and they know more about cars than I ever thought I knew. <laughs> well, as I said, you and I are of the same generation, so uh, yeah, we grew up on the same time frame. But I think it's pretty fun that you're still here having fun doing what you love. And in a way, you're fulfilling that generation. These we're, we're several generations back now, which is a little frightening for guys like you and me. It's like, oh my gosh, we've been around for a long time. But is there a a certain car that you that you really love? Or it sounds like you just kind of like them all. If it rolls on rubber, you're a fan. Probably my one of my favorites. Uh, my brother and I won a trip being a Honda dealer won a trip to Japan in 1989 and we went to the Tokyo Motor Show. And that was the first time I saw a Nissan Figaro. And I knew then, I said, this is a winner. And I tried to find out how I could bring them into the country. And they said, that'll never happen. So 25 years later, now we bring them in. They made 20,000 of them. They only made them one year and you had to get on a lottery to buy them back in the day. You've also got those little uh, mini pickup trucks that you bring in. And I'm always curious, like, what is the market for a vehicle like that? Well, we buy the 25-year-old ones. They're, most of those are under $8,000. So that's that's the majority of the volume. The ones you see that we bring in that are new, uh, that's kind of competes with the uh, side-by-sides, except they got heat and air and automatics and so on and so forth. Now, all the years, the old ones and the new ones normally go to a college, a winery, a factory. We even sold the Mars family one time, mini trucks that does Mars candy. Well, uh, just the variety of cars when I look through your site is pretty amazing to me. And there's a, a little Japanese car that you have a whole bunch of that is one of the funkiest little things I've ever seen. And I want you to describe it because the other day, my wife and I were, I live in a pretty small little community called Gig Harbor. And we were driving back and she said, what is that? And I went, I smiled and I said, yeah, I'm going to be talking to a guy next week that he's got a whole bunch of those and he sells them. Can you describe what I'm trying to describe here? This little tiny, it looks like a little Japanese Volkswagen bug of some kind. I'm wondering if this, this whoever owns that car might have bought it from you. It's a possibility possibility we shipped all over, we ship all over the country i brought in about 200 of those well i've seen pictures of a warehouse you have with a whole bunch of those cars in there they have their own room do they okay <laughs> yeah they're kind of a, a specialty so yeah it just then I, I just encourage you listeners to go check out i'll put links uh to uh gary's website on his show notes page on the cars yeah website you'll be pretty amazed and i think as you scroll through like i have you look at these cars and it really brings back, especially if you're a little bit older, more mature gentleman. I won't call us older, Gary. I'll say more mature. We're classics. You'll go, oh, I remember that. I remember that. Would you say were most of the cars that you sell and pass through, are these cars that are original? Are they restored? Is it a combination of? 
the JDM, I mean, all my life being a new car dealer, we always bought used cars and we fixed them up and we marketed them. I, t- I take the opposite approach in the JDM business. We just bring them in, wash them, check the fluids. I want the customer to see the cars as pure as we bought them, not covered up, not holes filled. Uh, I try to buy a higher grade of car in Japan. I won't buy anything below a 3.5. Um, I will not buy anything that's been wrecked. Fortunate I have people on the ground with eyes that look at these cars and sometimes the written descriptions are not accurate. Well, that's a good thing to do because as you said in the beginning of our talk, sometimes people misrepresent things and pictures can certainly look different than reality. I had an old business partner that would bring cars in and they would come off the truck and I would look at him and say, is that the same car you showed me pictures of? (laughs) <laughs> I don't think so. And uh, that's nothing more discouraging than having that happen. So uh, you can rest assured when you're de- dealing with Gary, you're dealing with the real deal. Y- you know, I'd like to ask you a little bit about what I call our driving inspirations, people or things that are perhaps influential in your life or uh, have been a great help for you in your career along the way. Is there somebody like that in your world? Well, my father being a dealer, he didn't get out of high school and I didn't get out of community college. And I remember my mom used to take him to a train station every Sunday night. He'd take a tow bar and ride a train to D.C. and buy two cars on Monday and tow them back and have them at the auction that Friday. And that they, he's kind of, he's probably my inspiration. And, you know, being a dealer, he had, he got a Studebaker franchise in 1959, and I used to go play in the cars. So that's, I guess that's my most inspiration. Yeah, I would think so. You know, challenges are difficult to go through, but they're great things that teach us really valuable lessons. Uh, being in the car business as long as you've been, no doubt you've bumped up against a few challenges. Is there one that you look back on that maybe makes you cringe a little bit, but mostly makes you think, I'm glad I went through that. Taught me a great lesson. Well, first thing, I got the MG Triumph franchise in 72, and then I went to work at a Chevrolet dealership locally and that's when the gas crunch hit so i got that at 20 21 years old and then uh 1979 came 20 percent interest and i was a lincoln mercury dealer in high gas prices and then we had uh in the 90s desert storm and then we had 2011 9-11 went through that and then we got hit again in 08 and 09 and you just kind of is a philosophy I have is we grow in the valleys. We don't grow in the mountaintops. And that's one thing good about being our car dealers or car people in general. They're very resilient. And we, we try to figure out a way to work through these things. And there's always opportunity. I mean, when gas prices go up, the small cars are hot. Well, you still got to buy trucks. And, you know, I tell a lot of friends, they come to me and say, well, Gary, I got to get out of this Ram charger because I need a, fuel efficient. I said, well, what's the safety of your family worth? I said, that's cheap to buy a little fuel to keep your family safe. So that's, and and most recently the chip shortage, but there again, I mean, we got half the Hondas we had before, but yet, you know, we're the margins better. I did not subscribe to uh, adding over window sticker, which a lot of dealers do. I don't believe in that. I think, especially in a small community, that's just not right. Boy, we've seen a lot of that. (laughs) Most certainly, some of it is just absurd. And I think the value you're 
you're sharing with us here today is the value and wisdom of time and having gone through a lot of challenges. I love your analogy of uh, things grow in the valleys and not on the mountaintops. So I guess it goes back to maybe what mom used to teach us, and that was save for a rainy day because the rain will come. Yes. Be smart and be flexible and always look at the advantage or the highlights of something and not what bad is happening because all those things that you mentioned i've lived through all those things as well and in the business i was in uh, a while back uh, what we learned was when the great recession hit of 07 08 09 is that people reverted back into their garages and they still played with their cars and took care of their cars when everybody else was having poor sales we had great sales we were selling car care products so people kind of stuck in there so seeing that and i think really what you said here was Things will come that are good, but there will be things that aren't so good. So you better be ready for them and don't leverage yourself too much, right? Yes, sir. My dad always told me too, he said, Gary, if you'll just work six days, if you'll work half day, six days a week, he said, you're going to do well. And he paused <laughs> and said, but you got to remember a half day is 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, your dad sounds like mine. My dad grew up on a farm in Texas. And as my grandpa told me once when one of the Two times he came out to California to visit, and he stayed three days and then drove back home. And my listeners have heard this, but I, it's a great story. I said, Grandpa, you just got here. Why are you leaving? He said, Mark, the cows and the horses don't take a vacation. <laughs> That's true. Had to get back to that and the wheat crops. When you look ahead at your life, Gary, I mean, you mentioned you're 70 years old. You're still doing this. What's your bucket list for the next five years? Are you going to just continue doing this? Are you having that much fun? Yeah, it. Um, I just uh, cut. I sold my Acura Audi BMW dealership back in September. I still have Honda and Hyundai, but I love what we're doing. We have people come from all over the country to see us. Uh, we even rented four cars to Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and sent them out for a photo shoot for Figaro's, which was cool. Uh, we have. Uh, Joey Logano's bought a Figaro from us. So, I mean, and then Rutledge Woods, a, a customer and a friend. We we just, I don't know, it's just so much fun. And, and no two days are the same. And, you know, when you, when you walk through and you hear these people and you look at the cars and you tell them the stories and you hear their stories, you know, that's one thing we relate to with these older cars is there was a simpler, easier, better time. You know, that's true. My wife and I have always, we've typically, except for my collector cars, the toys, bought cars new and kept them for a really long time. And we have two BMWs in our garage now and an 04 and an 05, X5 and an M3. And I take really good care of my cars, so they look brand new. And whenever we take, say, my wife's X5 in for service and they loan us a new one to try to tease us into getting that new car, she kind of looks around and goes, this thing has gotten too big, too complicated, too much fancy stuff. I kind of like my old car. I, I want my old car back. This is too much to deal with. And I, I've always loved Porsche 911s. I set in a brand new 911 a couple months ago and turned the key and I went, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm in Las Vegas. There's like just so much. So yeah, yeah. So uh, something to be said for the old, the analog world, if you will. And I think that's what you're doing with a lot of these older cars that you sell. You're bringing back history for people, even if it's a young person that goes back to their youth when they couldn't have a car and now they've got the money. So uh, we thank you for what you're doing, Gary. Well, the JDM cars are in a price, and I think that's what the light came on for me early on. They're a great investment. They're under $20,000. 
they can drive it to a car some coffee and they got this cool car that nobody's ever seen before set beside a ferrari or a 911 or whatever and that that's that's the cool part they're a great investment and they'll never lose a dime well lots of times when those guys show up to cars and coffee you're right uh young and old have not seen these vehicles out and about i.e the car that we spoke of earlier that my wife spotted uh, I have to say I'm pretty happy that she spotted it before I did. Usually it's me spotting the cars, but maybe because my eyes were on the road. But uh, yeah, it's just exciting for people. And the car world is, that's what it's all about, is bringing people together and, and sharing these many passions we have. I figure you're kind of a car guy, Gary, because you've been around doing this for a long time. This might be a difficult question, but if you could pick one special vehicle that you've had in your life and maybe share a story about that ride. Oh, well... I don't want to get too lengthy. Uh, my dad, I, I washed cars for him, and he told me I could buy anything I wanted as long as I did what I was supposed to do and didn't um, mess up. So we were in Washington, D.C., and I bought a 66 Mossport Green Corvette in 1968 for $2,500. And I got my permit. First day I had my permit, I took it to the local Chevrolet dealer and I got a speeding ticket and went to court and the judge took my permit and we used to hang out at my dad's dealership. So me and another guy snuck out when I didn't have a permit, I was 16. And anyway, on the way back, we used to speed shift them, you probably remember. And I lost control and it spun around and hit a tree and totaled it. Oh no. And my dad being... A father, I never seen my dad cry, and he just got the Ford dealership, and I didn't really realize what I'd done. It's the first time I'd seen him cry, and um, he picked up the phone, called the police. He said, "Look, I had this car over here, and I lost control of it, and I just want to let y'all know." And so he took a rap for it. And oh wow! He did what he said he was going to do, but he still let me drive. But I got a six-cylinder Torino after that. Okay. And years went by. We were talking some 30 years later, and he said, yeah. And somehow we got to talking about me losing my permit. And he said, yeah, I called the judge and told him to take your permit because you wouldn't learn anything if you just paid a fine. <laughs> so two years later, I'm at a, a classic car auction in Greensboro, and I buy this guy's got this small sport green, just like the one I had in 1966, and uh, I had to have it. So I bought it. I paid 62000 for it. I was on my way back home, and my cell phone goes off. And my dad says, heard you bought a Corvette like the one you tore up in high school. And I said, yeah. He said, what would you pay for it? I said, 62000 He said, hell, you'd have been better off if you'd have fixed the one you tore up in high school. <laughs> yeah. Well, dads always have the wisdom, don't they? Yes, they do. Wow. Well, that was quite a thing that your father did for you. And uh, no doubt that whole experience taught you some valuable lessons about uh, that little pedal on the right, that it goes both ways. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I'm glad you weren't hurt and nobody else was hurt either. Wow. What a lesson to learn. Well, I'm a bit of a car psychologist. I hold a special degree that was uh, anointed to me by myself. So <laughs> that's how that works. If you were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle, that is digging into the man in the mirror. Not what you want to be, Gary, but it's how you perceive yourself as as a guy, what kind of vehicle would you be, but more importantly, why? I would I've always erred towards the Japanese cars. I like any kind of car, especially if they're original or low mileage. 
I just respect the Japanese and uh, I sold against them for years and then I was a dealer for them for years and the atmosphere. I, I would probably want to be a Japanese car way they were back in the day. Back in the, okay. So we're starting to narrow this down a little bit. So I'm going to have you dig a little deeper. If you think about which mark, which mark would you be? Probably because I know the background. It'd probably be Toyota. Okay. Even though I've never had the franchise, I just know the size of the factory and uh, the cool stuff that they've had and that they just came out with most recently. Pretty amazing brand, isn't it? Yes, it is. And they've had the money to pretty much do the research and the technology that it's taken. Is there a reason why, I mean, with all these different franchises you've been involved with and you've had, why never a Toyota? Just wasn't right timing? Wasn't an opportunity there? Well, actually, I got a letter that says I'm a Toyota dealer, but <laughs> my dealer went broke and I bought it and then Toyota closed the point. So oh, goodness. almost had it. Almost. Yeah. But, you know, of the Japanese makes, the quality and, and even the culture and when you go over there, the way they treat you, uh, it's just it's just amazing. I've been lucky. I've been to Japan twice uh, on business trips, but was able to go with a Japanese native who showed me around and took me around and so forth. And uh, I would love to go back sometime and take my wife and even my kids and visit that country, especially since uh, some of my, one of those secrets about me that some of my listeners know, I was made in Japan. Right. So uh, I've got in a little affinity to that, but uh, yeah, quite amazing. And what surprised me on my first business trip was how they treat the business dealing differently. Is that an encounter that you had? I mean, I remember you get there and, and my host said, okay, for the first couple hours, we're not talking business. They just want to know about you. And it was very interesting compared to U.S. business where we just kind of sit down and get into it. And it was an entirely different experience. And then afterwards, an, an entire evening of dinner and then another day of meetings. And it's just, it's really stretched out, but you can see the philosophy that weaves into that. Was that your experience? Well, it's kind of ironic. I went with this company uh, in May of 2016. Well, they flew up over here and showed up on my doorstep on August of that year. And I think because I was getting ready to do business and I bought so many cars in the first two to three months with them, they wanted to be sure I was real. And even when I visited in 2017 and spent 18 days over there, I mean, time I got off the plane, I never paid for anything. I mean, they were just such great hosts. Most recently, they came back over here, and we went and spoke to customers in Baltimore. I mean, it's just really been a, a good relationship. Wow. That's tremendous. Very cool. I have a feeling you're the kind of guy that likes to give back, um, has ways in your life that you like to give back, whether it be in the personal part of your life or the automotive sector. Is there a little bit you could talk about in that respect? Well, one thing, uh, we have a lot of visitors every day at our warehouse. We do not, I've got probably seven, 800 cars under roof and we do not charge for it. Uh, we ask the people if they like what they saw. We, uh, we support a little girl, Brittany McCann, that's had cerebral palsy since a child. We support her ministry and people, we give them donations, but also I help her. We helped 130 kids 
last Christmas. We bought Easter for a lot of kids. She's in a, confined to a wheelchair. She's just she's just awesome, and, and we do that. And of course, we we have a local rescue mission that we do. We have uh, Feeding America, St. Francis Dogs. Uh, we have a Clater Lake where we have a lake house, and we support that. So. And there's always a need. We have a Bible study every Tuesday morning. There's always a need that somebody needs something. So that's that's kind of it's not mine. It's I'm just a steward. Well, I kind of figured you're that kind of guy. So that's awesome. Taking care of community. That's what it's all about. Is there a great book you'd like to share with us? Huh. Well, most recently, Steve Greenfield wrote a book called The Future of Automotive Retailing. If you're a dealer, it'll scare you to death. You don't want to be around knives and guns while you're reading that book. <laughs> well, give us the gist of I've not read that book. Well, I'll have to get that. a lot of predictions, and we're already seeing it coming true. I mean, the, the manufacturers, we're pretty much the franchise car dealers got an expiration date. And, you, I mean, you're a car guy. You read what Ford's trying to do. And, I mean, I'm seeing it everywhere I look. He has a prediction that uh, – Amazon will either buy out Carvana or AutoNation, which is interesting. Uh, certainly will be a service facilities, we hope. But, I mean, it's really changing. And if you study, of course, it's not done yet, but Carvana is pretty much gone. And um, it's just funny how, how these things change. But I think we are all learning. We want things quicker, faster. Amazon, they want to know. Everybody knows you got it. They got to pay a profit. They just don't want to be taken advantage of, you know, in, in our bit, especially in the new car business. I mean, you can find out what they cost us. And nobody minds you making a profit. They just don't want you making a living off. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what I'm seeing. If you pick the book up, it's a future retail of auto retailing by Steve Greenfield and Amazon has it. It's, it's really interesting. It, you know, it really is. And I've seen that, change even in folks of my generation where the uh we'll say we'll call it the good old days but you know it's always the good old days you don't just realize today is the good old days for 20 30 years from now so uh that people would go to a car dealership and walk around and you either feel good about the experience or you don't feel good we all have had good and bad experiences but i see it now even with my friends of my age the way they buy cars is completely different uh, it, they figure out what they want, do all the research, and then they look all across the nation, sometimes around the world, and the cars get shipped to you. And so the idea of this big fancy dealership, other than perhaps service centers, which a lot of dealerships have very nice service centers. I take my cars to uh, both private and uh big service centers for BMW, let's say, or Porsche. Um, yeah, it's really changed a lot. And when I think about things like Tesla and some of these other cars coming along that are going to become really just more appliances, maybe, in some respects. And I had a guy in the show the other day that his goal is to make it that you don't even have to own a car anymore. The idea is you just summons his car, it comes and picks you up, it takes you somewhere, you get out and walk away. Look, it sounds like you've read the book. <laughs> well, this guest that was on the show, Halo Car, they're already operating in Las Vegas. And it's an app where you summon a Halo Car. It drives to your location without a driver. It's autonomous. You get in, you drive it wherever you want, and you walk kind of like a zip car in big cities, and you just walk away. And in a way, it kind of makes sense because of many cars, 
just sit most of their lives. They only take us to work and back. And I said, well, I don't think I like this. I'm a car guy. I want to have a cool car. And he goes, don't worry, Mark. You can still have your cool car. Drive it on the weekends or whenever you want once a week. But my idea is that you don't have to abuse a daily driver commuter car and you don't have the responsibility and cost of that. So maybe there's some good, maybe there's some bad, but I'll have to get my hands on this book. But yeah, if I own car dealerships right now, yeah, maybe it's time to start rethinking how you operate a little bit. But I think you've kind of stacked your deck a little bit, Gary, because you're also selling all these cool cars for the next generation that wants to have that fun car. So uh, you're a visionary. I can see us having, uh, I don't want to know whether to call it a resort, but just a place you'll come one weekend and we'll have a track and you just drive all the cool stuff you want to drive well, as far as your, your weekend. I think the uh, the car is turning into what the horse turned into uh, way back in the day, but I think we're both talking the same thing, right? So. Very cool. I'm going to enable you to go on the ultimate drive, Gary, uh, which means you don't have to worry about cost or anything here. I'm going to park any car in your driveway. You can take it on a drive anywhere in the world. But here's the fun part. You can take anybody with you, even somebody from the past that's no longer with us. So for a guy like you that's run through a lot of cars, what is the ultimate drive where cost is no object look like for you? Well, I've got a couple the Toyota 2000 that was back in the 60s intrigued me. And when I was into Japan, there's a guy that, that builds them and puts you any kind of running gear in them, a lot of BMW running gears. That's one. Uh, I think the Bugatti's a curious piece. I've uh, always kind of like what they are and what they do. Um, I've never really got into the Cobras and things like that, although I love the history and, and what Carroll Shelby did. But... That, that wouldn't be a car that I would get real excited about. When you talk about Bugatti, are you talking about the new supercar Bugattis? Yes. Jeez, you're an expensive date, my friend. Uh, the new Bugattis and the, the, the Toyota 2000, which is a very expensive collector car, uh, you got good taste. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. So if you could take anybody with you, even somebody who's no longer around, who would you love to take a ride with? I mean, maybe even this car guy named Elon Musk? That might be interesting. Oh, yeah, I would love that. Uh, I think it's phenomenal what that guy's done. And I got to believe deep down inside he's somewhat of a car guy. And, uh, you know, what he's done with his life and how he got there. And, uh, I had a friend text me yesterday, and he said, how do you think Elon Musk got to where he is? I said, no fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, he's not light on nerve. Uh, no, in fact, I saw him speaking to a group of young entrepreneurs, and one of the things he said was, if you need some kind of inspirational talk to go start your own business, don't do it. So, And the fact that he is a car guy, you know, when he sold and he made his first big fortune, and he's made a lot of big fortunes, he's also spent a lot of fortunes, uh, I think the first supercar he ever bought was a McLaren F1. So, yeah, that was, so I think he is kind of a car guy, but uh, more than anything, well, you could say a lot of things, whether you like him or not, but you have to admit uh, he's a visionary and he's doing some wild and crazy things. So uh, I'm glad we have him in our lives. That's for sure. I wouldn't have wanted to miss it. Yeah, absolutely. You've taken us on a wonderful talk today, Gary. I love speaking with people like you that have been around for a long time with some great wisdom. I wonder if you could share with our listeners some parting words of advice or inspiration. 
I'd say one thing that I learned a long time ago. Do what you love and you never go to work. Sounds like something Henry Ford said. Uh, he probably did say that. But I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. I loved doing it. Uh, I didn't get married until I was 48. My wife says, you just don't. You don't know what it's like to be able to love what you do and how people, many people work every day and dread going to work. And I've never had that day yet. Yeah. Smart wisdom. And when these old cars, even in buying Japan every night, it's like a treasure hunt every day. Yeah. And each car tells a story. Absolutely. Well, you figured out the secret sauce to life. That's for sure, Gary. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show. How can people learn more about you and your business? Uh, they can go to uh, DuncanImports.com. Uh, my email, and I don't mind, is uh, Gary Duncan at DuncanAuto.net. Gary Duncan at DuncanAuto.net. And I'd love to hear from you. And I just love hearing and getting to talk to the customers and the enthusiasts. Absolutely. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to our mutual friend, Jared Holland at Publicity Factory. He's the one that got Gary together with me today. So, Jared, thank you for bringing me another inspiring automotive enthusiast. Gary, I really appreciate you spending some time with me today and sharing your insights and your wisdom and in your history and your love for cars and hard work. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you somewhere down the road. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're welcome. How did you discover your path to a fulfilling life? Too many young people flounder in finding an education and a career that fits. But for those who have a passion for cars, trucks, and motorcycles, and who love working with their hands, problem solving, and fixing things, a career as a professional auto technician is incredibly rewarding. Cars yeah is pleased to team up with TechForce Foundation, our charity of choice, in bringing scholarships, technical education, and hands-on experience to young people so they can discover a possible future. Join me and lend your support by visiting techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.